0: And these are highly educated people van life is a movement of like pretty privileged people who have the opportunity to say no I don't want to work my awesome job anymore I want to go buy a hundred thousand dollar van or I want to quit my job and travel
1: Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Miko Kraschowski, and welcome to episode 33 of That Remote Show, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals, so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Brianne Atzio, the co-founder and CEO of the Van Life app, which is dedicated to helping van lifers connect with one another and find all the resources they need on the road, all in one place. During this interview, Brienne and I dove in deep on what made Brienne and her wife Lacey begin traveling around the country and living in a van and how that experience inspired them to start their two businesses, the Van Life app and SD Camper Vans, which converts regular vans into livable vans for customers. We also talked about Brienne's experience as a non-technical founder the often winding journey that is entrepreneurship, and Brian's experience building and running a remote team. And because this wouldn't be a proper van life episode without it, we also spoke about the general van life lifestyle and some of Brian's top tips for what type of van to buy, what sort of layout to use for a comfortable working spot, and how to get Wi-Fi anywhere in the country. I had a ton of fun on this episode and I think you will as well. And before we jump into the episode, consider heading over to your favorite podcasting app and leave this podcast a review. I read all reviews and may even share yours on the show. Also, since it has always been my goal to connect to others out there through the show, feel free to drop me an email at mitco at thatremotelife.com. I'd love to hear what your favorite episodes have been and what else you'd like to hear me discuss on the show. You can find all the resources mentioned during this interview at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 33. That's episode all spelled out followed by the number 33. All right, you guys. I think that's officially enough talking for me. So let's jump into this awesome conversation with Brianne Atzio from the Van Life app. All right, well, Brianne, welcome to the show. How you doing?
0: Hey, thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Like, um, w- go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. It's okay. This is this is the uh, the reality of doing a remote show or a show based on remote work is that sometimes you need to deal with wi-fi which is fine um but yeah like we were saying before we hit record um i'm super excited to have you on because i am a huge fan of van life and you are the founder of the van life app so i'm excited to talk to somebody about this other than my girlfriend who i think at this point is sick of me (laughs) blabbing about van life so (laughs) i'm excited to have you here
0: yeah i'm excited to be here and and anyone that uh is excited about van life i mean I'm I'm a, a total spokesperson for it so let's get it going.
1: <laughs> awesome well so I want to start off first with understanding a little bit more about your background where like tell me about your life before van lifeing. I because I heard that you and your wife were teachers right or you were teaching at, at school or what, what exactly was your background before you got involved in the movement?
0: Yeah so I was a teacher at a university out here, a full-time lecturer, and uh, my wife was a fifth grade teacher. So we had, I had a lot of flexibility during the week uh, because my teaching schedule where I had to be at the office or in the classroom was only two days a week. Um, So I had a lot of flexibility. And during summer, both of us had two months off overlapping. So we decided to We had traveled a lot internationally and we decided to uh, travel the United States. So we started renting uh, an RV to see what it was like because we had seen RVs before and um, we rented one and it was just big and clunky and and difficult to park and you had to plug in and we didn't need that much space. So um, my wife's dad came over for Christmas one, like right after and he came with a Ram Promaster that was totally empty. And that's a big cargo van for anybody that doesn't know. It's like one of the big white vans that has nothing on the inside. It's meant for just like carrying stuff. And uh, he said he was going to convert it into a camper van. And my wife and I, like I come from a real estate background. I got my real estate license and I was really interested in flipping Uh, not flipping, but like buy and hold real estate investing. And I was like, well, you know, if we could build out this van, make it look really good, and then it could have equity, like we could have equity in this van, that could be a really good investment. Um, So we, a couple months later, we bought our first van, and we built it out. Uh, And it, it took us two months. So we bought it in March, and we took off in May for our summer vacation. And from there we were just like sold.
1: So what was that like, like, you know, I mean, obviously my first question was gonna be when your wife's dad came in, where you just kind of like, okay, this is crazy. Like you can't build out a van, but it sounds like you guys were on board right away. But what was that process like? Like, how did you get started building out the van?
0: So we did a lot of research. And honestly, at the time, this was two and a half years ago. It was March of 2017. So at the time, van life was not really a popular thing. I had no idea there was a mm-hmm. van life movement. Um, so her, my wife's dad had done a lot of research. So he sent us a lot of his resources. And luckily, his partner, his girlfriend is a carpenter by trade. And he's a designer by trade. So like, they had all their shit together. They knew exactly what they were doing. <laughs> um, so it gave us some some confidence and I'm really like if I want to do something I'm gonna go do it um which is a great thing and and a a bad thing at the same time uh so we just like put the layout together we we went and bought our van we named it flipper because if shit hit the fan we could just flip it um <laughs> and uh Yeah, we just put the design together. We knew we wanted a space where we could work and sleep. So we did a convertible dinette, uh, which means that it's like a it's a dinette type of layout that will convert to a bed at night so we can do work. Um, A lot of the pictures you'll see on our Instagram is us with our computers, like with a beautiful view in the background. And I know for a lot of people it's not realistic, but like for us, it's pretty much like what we do um we we strategically pick spots that that have a nice view so that we're working all day but then we can just take 15 minute breaks here and there and get out and look
1: yeah that dinette setup because it's kind of like a pop-up table right it's like a table and then you like push it down it becomes but yeah so every time that i've looked at pictures in my mental dream of what my van is gonna look like I have that bed pop-up set up. So it's cool to hear that you use that as well. So, So you're driving around the country at this point, right? Like you have the van, you're able to move around. At what point do you decide, you know what? I'm gonna start a business in this space.
0: Yeah, so about a month in, Lacey and I were like, we started to get like lonely. And even though we had each other, we left our friends in San Diego and, and like everything we knew in San Diego. So we're like, we need human connection. Um, so we would go to like campsites. We didn't normally park at campsites. We would find other places to park for free. Um, and what most people don't know is there's like almost 100,000 pla- 100, locations in America you can
1: camp for free um yeah like walmart's right like you can't you can park your car for free at walmart right
0: yes but we don't even stay at walmart's like that hundred thousand doesn't even include like facilities like that um which is why we ended up creating the van life app as well so um there's like national park so uh, what kind of what
1: kind of places are we talking about okay
0: there's blm land like bureau of land management has a ton of locations mm-hmm. around the United States where you can camp for free. Um, uh, National forest uh, is huge. There's a ton of places you can camp for free. In um, a lot of state-run campgrounds, um, there it's not free, but it's cheap. It's like ten to fifteen dollars a night where you can camp. Um, I'm gonna have to pull up my sheet there's one more uh that i'm forgetting it's like the i'm forgetting the name of it but it's it's another conglomerate of like
1: public spaces Mm -hmm. gotcha so So you're driving around and you're starting to feel kind of like lonely, which I understand, you know, as somebody who travels around for a a good part of the year and you're always like, you know, switching different people and you don't have your like friends that are always there. But I know that your first business, the one that you started with uh, your your wife initially was conversion vans. So where did the idea for that come from?
0: That was actually it they both happened at the same time so i actually started the van life oh, app okay. before i started sd camper vans while i was in an accelerator program because mind you i was i was also teaching full-time while i was starting these businesses so at S- san diego state they had this accelerator program called zip Launchpad, um, and that's where i started the van life app and a couple months into it my stepdad lost his job and he was 62. Him and my mom were just like, you know, what's going to happen? Um, so we decided that on the side, we were going to start flipping vans. We're like, okay, Lacey and I have $15,000 in our savings. We're going to put it into a van um, that we could flip. So we bought the van for 8000 We put $7,000 into it, and we sold it for 35000 a month later. Um So it was a good chunk of change. And then we did it again. And uh, while Lacey and I were on our first trip, we started growing this like Instagram following um, because so many people were curious about van life. So we got reached out to a lot um, by people just asking, hey, I have my van. Can you convert it for us? And since we had Mm -hmm. no money at the time, like we didn't have a bunch of capital to just buy a ton of vans and sell a ton of vans um so the idea of taking someone else's van and not having to make that capital investment in the beginning and then converting it uh was really um it was it was intriguing to us so we opened up a warehouse in san diego it was a small shop like 1400 square feet which is nothing And we started a little family business, and we quickly scaled um, to three vans a month. We had to expand, so now our warehouse is in uh, LA, and we have a full team there. And um, we're doing about forty a year, and we're only wow forty vans a year. Yeah, yeah. Wow, and we're only about a year and a half. That's very impressive. (laughs)
1: And is in all of these people that want to have their vans converted are coming through Instagram or are there new places now they're coming from?
0: So Lacey and I have kind of we're community organizers in the van life movement. After realizing how lonely it was, we started like hosting events and um, we started kind of building a a name for ourselves in the van life movement helping to make it accessible because that's our whole mission is we need we want to make van life more accessible at the time we started SD camper vans uh, a van conversion started at like 60 to 80,000 all the way up to $200,000 not including the van. So our van conversions started around 20,000. So we're really trying to make it accessible. And because of our mission and our like drive to connect people and make this lifestyle more accessible, we started getting interviewed on like other people's YouTube channels and um, having these events. And so all of our, our business comes from organic word of mouth or like YouTube or Instagram.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting because, I mean, essentially what you're talking about is that you built a brand, a personal brand around this industry. You became an industry leader. And because of the, you know, branding and power that your name kind of had, you started, you know bringing in in customers, which is really exciting because I think we all hear about, you know, why you should do kind of like what you've talked about, what you've been able to do. And you're a perfect example of that. So what point did you start? Because I know that another section of your business is renting vans for people who want to do that. How did that kind of spin off?
0: (laughs) So we actually sold that part of the business. We decided to get out of that, um, we kind of fell into it because Lacey and I had our van um, that we had built for our travels. And in order to keep our keep up with our overhead in the very beginning, we started renting it out to other people to get some okay. extra income. And we then... And were you doing this on
1: like Airbnb or something?
0: Yeah, so there's this um, app called Outdoorsy that is is just like Airbnb, but it's for RVs. So, and they're an awesome company. Okay. I think it's, it, it's a like female, well, couple founded, but female founded company, um, up in Canada. And it, it's a really cool company. Um, we ended up acquiring another fleet of camper vans. Um, we just, it kind of just fell into our lap. It's so interesting to think about, cause at the time we were like, okay, rentals could keep us afloat while we're slowly figuring out this conversion, um, company because at the time we didn't have money to hire like four people or even two people it was just my stepdad us and uh one other laborer that that was helping us out so rental vans really kept us afloat in the beginning um we saw these like bright orange vans right outside our warehouse structure and we we're like why are they parked here um so one day we were there on a weekend uh, and we pulled up and I saw somebody outside the van and I I like pulled back and pulled in front of him and I asked like, hey, what's up, what's what's going on? And he's like, oh, we're just <laughs> a fleet of rental vans and I'm selling the company. <laughs> I'm, I moved to New York and I need to sell this company. Um, so I was like, hey, I have no money, but I wanna buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, like we figured out this way where like those vans were just sitting. so he was paying for those vans to just sit and not make any money um we figured out a way where at first we basically um acted as a management company like we we rented the vans out and we split the profit and then we ended up acquiring uh we came up with a deal to acquire those vans
1: so how long ago did you sell that company because that's really interesting to me that you i mean you essentially flipped the company which is really cool. You bought a company that was doing one thing, kind of transitioned it to doing something else and flipped it. So how long ago did you you sell that and what was the experience of selling a business like that?
0: We decided, so we actually didn't sell the business in total. It was more beneficial for us to sell the assets individually. Mm
1: -hmm. So we ended up getting a
0: larger number by selling the assets. And I think at that time we had seven vans. we sold and it was at the beginning of this year that we ended up uh selling all of them or closing down the business and then halfway through the year we sold all of them
1: so you essentially sold the vans as like like vans to live in yes is that correct yeah okay yeah awesome we ended up selling them
0: that way because you know this was our first business so we weren't very savvy and we were basically operating two businesses inside one Um, So none of the books were separate. Uh, We could show like, hey, here's $100,000 in in revenue for these vans, but it's also mixed in with our conversion revenue and we didn't have the expenses separated. So selling that business, we tried um, and we were just getting lowball offers. So we were like, we can get double if we sell them individually. So that's what we ended up doing.
1: And so at what point, I wanna kind of move into the app because I think that that's kind of your main thing um, at the moment. So tell me about the app and how that got started. I know that you were saying that you you guys were feeling kind of lonely and that you started visiting other places to meet people. So did the app kind of like come from that?
0: Yeah, so originally my idea was I wanted to create a network of campgrounds, like KOA, but for Mm -hmm. people like me. Uh, like the younger camper who doesn't need the RV hookup. Um, We don't want to be separated. Like we want more communal space. We need Wi-Fi access, (laughs) things like that. So that was my original idea. And quickly through the um, incubator that I was in called Zip Launchpad at, at San Diego State, uh, we realized that that was extremely capital intensive. That would take a lot of money. And the problems that I was trying to solve could actually be done through a technology. So I am not a tech person. I was a communication professor, and um, now I run a, a tech company, which is an interesting thing. But um, the problems, it's, we're really focused on solving problems. And the primary problems for people trying to pursue van life or even people who want to camp is that there is no one resource where you can find places and people so if you want to go camping most likely you're going to go to that one spot that you know about that's a state campground or at a national park that you have to book six months in advance with like if you want to go travel or if you want to go um, to a restaurant, you have Yelp and TripAdvisor. But if you want to go outdoors, you don't have anything. And doing it full time really exacerbates these issues. So like every single day, I have to find a place to park. And if, and at the time, we were toggling between like four different resources every day to find something that worked. And sometimes we would end up, like, just exhausted, not knowing where to park and, like, having to pull over on the side of the road, not getting a good night's sleep. Um, And we didn't want other people to have to deal with that. So um, we found – I'm going to take a step back. Um, On -hmm. our trip, we found this van life gathering up in Washington. And for the first time, we realized there's, like – A ton of other people who are just like us like we found our people and we were just super inspired you have a bunch of digital nomads people saying like and these are highly educated people van life is a movement of like pretty privileged people who have the opportunity to say no i don't want to work my awesome job anymore i want to go buy a hundred thousand dollar van or i want to quit my job and travel right so we have all these people who are kind of iconoclasts and, and pursuing their passions and wanting to live a better life and starting their own businesses. So they all have this, like, shared knowledge that that we could compile into one resource to share with each other and, like, meet each other on the road because loneliness is a huge issue. So that's what we're really trying to do with The Van Life App.
1: So you, you mentioned running a tech company without being actually the person that's in tech yourself. So can you talk a little bit about being a non-tech founder? Because I think a lot of people who listen to this would relate to that, you know, wanting to start some sort of tech based business, but not really being a coder or a developer or whatever. So what was the experience of starting a tech company without being a developer yourself and how did you find that tech? part of your business did you bring on a tech-based co-founder
0: at first I did not know we
1: we out I've learned some hard lessons
0: as a non-tech founder starting a tech company that's for sure um all uh, one thing that I'm really thankful that I've had is a network of mentors and people around me who are willing to help and like answer questions and warn me about things that they've gone through and um just be an ear to like talk with. Um, so I did not have a technical co-founder. Um, I actually just brought on a technical, um, a CTO a couple months ago for the first time. And we originally started by outsourcing development. So I interviewed like, I don't know, a couple dozen companies in all parts of the world, Poland, India, you know, everywhere. And we wound up going with this company that was based in Philadelphia because they specialized in a platform that was a hybrid platform that would would cross over to Android and Apple and web based, um, which is great for startups who are trying to iterate very quickly. And then uh, the the owner of that company was really great at communicating like he uh, that was something that I was I was really desperately seeking because I'm trusting this other company with my heart and soul and and my money um so this company was great at communication um they sold us from the very beginning um and it 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 ended up being like this happens to everyone um they ended up going forty thousand dollars over budget running us dry and leaving us with an app that didn't really work (laughs) so yeah um so that was that was a hard lesson and we launched on march 31st of this year just basically it worked for a lot of people but it didn't work for a lot of people and it was slow and clunky and there were massive bugs that should have never been there and our development company was kind of like hey you have no more money we want to help you but give us a check um and once you're a hundred thousand dollars in you sh- like i'm paying a professional development company to build me a product that they could said they could do for way less um So, Mm -hmm. this is a problem that so many non technical founders go through. And if I were to give anyone advice, it would be bring on a technical co founder early. Like, that's what I would have done differently. I would have brought on a technical co founder early, or I instead of an hourly based project, which is how our development company worked, it would have been a project based.
1: Yeah. Because you essentially ended up spending what it would have cost you to bring on like somebody in house to do it. Right. A hundred thousand dollars is a pretty decent salary for somebody who can develop an app. So you ended up dropping that same amount of money. You said that you would advise people to bring on a CTO, which I agree with. I think that, that that's a good move. How does one go about doing that? How do you go and find somebody who can be your CTO?
0: So how I did it was I reached out to our van life network. Um, Van life is like, there are so many engineers and creative people and like being a coder, it's so easy to live remotely and get jobs that pay really well and just be like a part like work part-time and have a good salary so there are a ton of coders out in the van life space we needed someone who was a full stack coder who specialized in ionic and you know we had a couple requirements that we needed and we eventually found that person who was not only qualified but passionate about what we wanted to do like we want to make the outdoors more accessible and more sustainable so he was he's super passionate um we got really lucky there if I were to go back two years um knowing what I know now I would have gone to the meetups like in San Diego we have tech meetups like coffee tech Mondays or like startup week or all these networking events on meetup.com or eventbrite I would have continued to go to those things and like I would have met a technical co-founder and and even if it's even if it wasn't a co-founder it'd be someone who was the technical um, voice for the company so I'm not fully against use outsourcing development but I did not have a, a voice on my team that was knowledgeable enough to be able to speak to and um, defend what we're our company
1: yeah I, i totally agree i love what you said about actually reaching out to your community because i think that's something that a lot of people can do is if you're building a product to serve a community the best place to look for people is from that community. Cause yes, sure. They're going to be, and this goes for marketing as well, not just for a tech founder, right? Like if you're looking to bring on somebody to market your company or your product, find somebody from the community that product serves because they know what's up. Like they know how to talk the talk of that community. So I I love that. I love that advice. Um, something I want to find out though, is and I think a lot of people might be wondering this at this moment is how do you i think the app is a great idea and i think that it's solving something that really is a problem i can see how that would be a problem in in the van life community but how do you plan on monetizing that app
0: uh currently we're we're monetizing it through a freemium model um so people we have about 500 premium subscribers who um pay for social features so like every other app out there um that's free you can search for places we're the only app where you can actually connect with people so that's where our paywall is we're connecting with other people finding the events that are out there um and and meetups and things like that so it's 36 bucks a year or four dollars a month currently um and that's how we monetize it.
1: Yeah, so essentially anybody can go download the app and they can, um, and where can they get that? Is it vanlifeapp.com or what is the URL? The vanlifeapp.com, yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes for sure, but so essentially anybody can go download the app and search for places and, and, and have that resource that you talk about, but you're essentially, the premium members are able to connect with each other. So you're, you're the paywall is a social feature. Exactly. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, so now that business I, you mentioned before we started recording, you have employees. How many employees do you have for that um, company for the Van Life app?
0: So currently, everybody is uh, is on my founding team. I don't really have employees. We're all just a, a founding team. Like we're scrounging. We're we're working hard. We're not getting paid. Um, and there are eight of us right now. So I have I. I have a team that's like super passionate about what we're doing, and with apps like we 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 didn't want to go out and just be be owned by venture capital firms in the very beginning, and you know and work for other people. We we wanted to keep this tight to be able to protect the places that um, we're sharing, and we're the only app out there that actually does that. And our team is really passionate about that. So up until. Um, we are still just like working for free. Um, a lot of our, our team members have side gigs, so they'll consult or, or do some social media marketing or whatever they do on the side.
1: Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of bootstrapping companies. I, I think that that is, I think it's currently, I think it's too easy to get money in in a lot of cases and i think that that can be a negative actually like i see a lot of these uh, companies that come out there and they don't go through the the difficulty of bootstrapping and i and i think that their product is not as good because of it so i love that you guys are fully bootstrap. bootstrapped that's awesome um you you said that everyone's remote though so you guys don't have offices so what has the experience yeah i can't imagine you know, telling van lifers, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna have to come into an office now." Um, what has the experience been like for you to run a remote team?
0: There are definitely challenges, but it is also what we're building into the values of our like we those that's part of our value value system for our company. We want to build a company where, like, work life balance are are important and we can continue to live the life that we're trying to inspire and help other people to live so everybody on our team is a van lifer Um, we all met through either social media or uh, van life events so um, some of the major challenges with that however are like we don't get to be in an office and just shoot the shit with each other we don't get to have those like those times outside of work to constantly connect and brainstorm and be creative with each other. Um, so that's difficult. So we try to facilitate that in different ways. Like we do have weekly meetings that we're very strict about. Like everybody shows up for the weekly meetings and um uh we guess those like- are
1: online like on Zoom or something like that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, through Zoom. And they're very structured. We're like, I'm I'm super goal oriented. So every quarter we have a quarterly vision meeting where we meet in person, uh, so we get that like in person space. Um, and then I think twice a month or about twice a month we have like a happy hour on Zoom. So so we'll all just like open up a Zoom and just just hang out and. Um, have a have a drink or whatever, whatever anybody wants. So it's it's our time to like connect, even though we're not together. Mm-hmm. Um, and as working from working from a van is very different from working from like coffee shop to coffee shop or hostel to hostel, like another digital nomad, because we are dependent on cell towers. <laughs> So mm. it is like I'd say that is probably one of the biggest challenges is constantly having good internet access. Um, sometimes people will have to like drop their video to to stay on the chat um, or stay in the meeting and like if you're off near a national park, it, it like the the cell, providers have these like overlays that show where you should have service but those are all bs they don't actually work so (laughs) um yeah cell service is definitely an issue finding a place that's quiet isn't so much an issue but like connect connection um so if anyone out there is an engineer or or uh it is is versed in how to build a better cell booster or something like that let me know because i'm all about it what we have doesn't work well enough
1: so is that something that you because i mean even though i don't live in a van that's always the trouble like it's always like okay where's there good enough wi-fi does this airbnb have good enough wi-fi Does this coffee shop have blah, blah blah all this kind of stuff so is that something that is already built into the Van Life app? Like, hey, like this park at this place has like a really good Wi-Fi, or is that not something that you guys talk about?
0: Yep. That's so our key differentiator is those those types of details. We need to know where we can mm. have service, where we can park for a week and and work because we're all working. Not mm-hmm. not just our team, but like van lifers are working and not just working on like something that doesn't need internet like we constantly need internet so and we have cell boosters and things like that and everybody has their tricks um but the fact is like the the current resources that are out there aren't accurate in what they have so that's why we combine the information from everybody's experiences so self-service is like one of the top things
1: yeah i'm you know you mentioned that Van lifers are workers. And it's it, unlike people who I, I think are RVers, which I, I would imagine is mostly like retiree aged people. There's tons of van lifers who are like entrepreneurial or like you said, that are like high end developers. They just realize they don't need to be in an office. Um, and and like they can like move kind of the gamut of what they do so I know some people who like you you know work online but I also know people who have businesses that they run out of their vans like I'm right now thinking of I don't know if you've ever heard of Caribbean or coffee before yep. uh, but they are a coffee brand that the the guy the founder uh, I, I don't know what his name is but he sells the coffee out of his van and I'm just like that's so awesome <laughs> like that's fucking cool um, so I love that that is the community that the van life it's there are people doing cool shit Out of their vans and it's and it's awesome um go ahead yeah so
0: i think what's this is what's really special about van life it's not like these people were doing this and then got into van life what happens is when you take a year off or like when you give yourself the space to like understand yourself and and you take a chance on yourself like that um, you give yourself an opportunity to explore other alternatives so I was a teacher we my and my wife me and my wife were full-time teachers we didn't know or think that we'd be entrepreneurs two years from from then um, but what van life did was it gave us the space to like think about what we actually wanted for our lives and then build a life intentionally instead of just going through the motions
1: mmm yeah.
0: So I think that's what a lot of people um, in the van life movement have been able to do is like they gave themselves the space, they figured out that they could make an income a different way, and then they're motivated enough t- to actually do it.
1: Yeah. Before we, cause I wanna, I, I think it'd be disservice if we don't actually talk about like van life and how to build out a van and how to make it awesome. But before we jump into that, Something that I noticed with you that I resonate with a lot is that you have or you've had a lot of different things going on at the same time, right? You had the conversion app business, then you had the one that you were renting, you have the app, you're setting up all these events. And that's something that I resonate with a lot and I think a lot of people listening do as well where they're constantly coming up with new ideas and they wanna do everything. How do you juggle all of those things and and still are able to push them forward?
0: That is a good question. Um, I did burn out. Like at one point I was starting and running two businesses, working full-time as a teacher and uh, doing these events. And I did that for about a year and I was totally cool doing it because I was passionate. They were new, they were exciting. Um, and I was super passionate. Uh, about what I was doing and I knew that I was affecting people's lives in a really positive way which is really important for me Um, but I did burn out and I think burnout is is something that a lot of people experience and um, right now like I was just talking to my co-founder for the app and last week and I was like I'm I'm burnt I'm burnt out right now Um, so how do you
1: notice that how do you know you're burnt out
0: When it starts to feel like when I'm not excited about what I'm doing, I'm burnt out because I love van life and I like love what I'm doing uh, with the app and I love my team and I'm super stoked about building this business. Um, So I know when I'm not excited about it, I'm burnt. Mm hmm. Um, And I think burnout comes in a lot of different ways for it shows up a lot differently for a lot of different people. Um, But when I think the beauty of it is that I'm realizing I'm burnt out and I need to go take a couple days off and like fill my cup again. And that's okay. And that should be okay for everyone Um, because I'm more productive. I'm more efficient and I am better as a person and as a leader
1: when I am not burnt out. So how do you, yeah, you mentioned that it's it should be okay for you to take a couple of days and kind of refill your cup. So how do you do that? How do you refill your cup?
0: Um, so what I'm doing is for Thanksgiving, me and a couple, my wife and I and a couple of our friends are going down to Baja. We're renting uh, a house on the beach and we're just going to relax for a few days and be with friends. I'm going to turn off my cell phone, which is extremely rare. So I'm going (laughs) to let my team know I am not available. (laughs) Um, So I think that's, that's one of the things that I do, like hang out with friends, turn my phone off, and the feeling of guilt. So a lot of times we like ignore our phones, or we will push the things we know we have to do off. But that guilt or that like thought of oh i have to do this will eat away at you and you won't be able to fill your cup that way so i think telling telling your team and being very upfront like hey i'm taking a vacation i'm turning my phone off for three days and that's okay um and setting up everything so that i know that three days is going to be smooth like that's how i can fill up my cup um knowing that everything is taken care of and i'm taking care of myself
1: yeah the, the other thing that I want to ask you about, because I, I, you know, over having now over 30 interviews, I'm starting to pick up some trends between, you know, some of the people who've been on the podcast and something that I'm noticing is that there are sometimes partnerships that are, whether it's, you know, like you with, you know, your wife or, or like business partnerships where somebody will go off and do something creative while the other one keeps running the business that is sort of like generating money that's more stable what has that relationship been like between you and your wife and 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 the two of you sort of not just in a partnership meaning like a life partnership you know because she's your wife but also in terms of like a business partnership like what has that been like so when Lacey and i not only have one
0: business that we work on but we have two businesses and we are both tied to both businesses even though we're not in the day-to-day of each one we're tied to them so Mm -hmm. um Lacey and I have to be very conscious of not allowing business to take over our personal lives so we have we Mm -hmm. we're like okay we need to turn off not talk about business like let's just like be with each other have fun um with my business partner uh my other co-founder for the van life app uh who is not my wife um jess (laughs) (laughs) like it's great to have a business partner who is like go take your time i'll take care of everything here because that gives you the the permission to be like okay i need to i need to go take care of myself um and also everything's taken care of um so and she just took off a couple weeks ago for for a week and like she came back rejuvenated and like on top of her game right and i need to go do the same thing so i think working with people uh, it's just harder in a uh, marriage when you're also in business. Because for Lacey and I, when I'm okay to take a week off or a couple days off for the van life app, she's not okay to take off a couple days for SD camper vans. So like aligning those two things is very difficult.
1: Mm, yeah I'm so yeah I'm considering or my girlfriend and I are about to go into business together which is something that I haven't talked about on this podcast yet so maybe that will be an announcement later down but that's something that we're talking about I mean we're we work together every day but she works in a different business than I do but now that we're going to go into business together we're setting these rules of like okay like we know kind of what to expect because we we have friends who do it and you know we've worked next to each other so we're like we cannot talk about but like we need to be able to shut off and like you might be pissed at me because you know there's something going on in the business but like we need to be able to put like a hard stop on it um in order to also you know have like a healthy relationship so that's something that we're talking about um but like i mentioned i really want to talk a little bit about actual van life and living in a van um this is might be very like personal for me because i cannot wait to build out a van myself but let's get started with that like what are the vans that people should be looking at if the person who is building the van will is planning on working out of that van what are the vans they should look at and what are some of your tips on how they should set them up and how they should design them Mm.
0: uh really it depends on the type of lifestyle you have so like if you are a climber or you have a lot of stuff that you want to store like athletic gear or bikes or snowboard skis like all that stuff there's different layouts based on based on your needs Lacey and i keep our bikes on the back of our van on a hitch and we don't we don't have like climbing gear or or stuff like that so the dinette works fine for us whereas for other people they need the platform bed Uh, that will allow them to store like basically have a garage in the back of their van my recommendation would be to rent a couple vans like go to Outdoorsy man Outdoorsy should be paying me for this Uh, (laughs) go go to Outdoorsy rent a van or two and see like get get a feel for it I think that's the most important thing that you can do Because if you go and build your van without experiencing it, you are going to want to change it. And changes are very expensive and time-consuming. So Mm. test it out. See what makes you feel good. Like what will make you feel good and feel like I'm cool to work in here. Like I could sit in here for eight hours and not have a problem with it. And like my van – it's, it's our second personal van and probably our 14th van that we've been in because we had a rental fleet. So, um, like we know I knew what I wanted because I had experience. So I think that's number one, experience it, go out, rent a van or two and see what you like, what you don't like.
1: Is there anywhere? Cause you mentioned, you know, there's different designs and I've definitely picked up on that from just scrolling Instagram and watching way too many hours of van life YouTube videos., uh, but is there anywhere that you can like buy or download or like is there anywhere where there's like a collection of designs that like I could, for example go download and then know that, hey, this is this this is what this is how you build this design for this van?
0: <sighs> not that I know of. no. There's a lot of like, so there's not one central place for that kind of information. There are a lot of blogs and YouTubers who have like, oh, this is how you do it my way. Um, But everybody does it differently. You're basically going to have to scroll through a whole like day. I mean, you know, like days of YouTube videos and and blogs and different websites and things like that. And you're still not going to find the information you need. Um, I... Once you decide on your layout, like look at other people's vans, go to a van life meetup. Like in San Diego, we're having a van life meetup in January and we'll probably have like three to 400 vans there. So go to go to events like that, check out what the different layouts are, decide on your layout and then start looking at how to build it. Um, cause, Cause the resources are out there for like how to build things, but there's not one resource that's like, here are all the different options and Um, this is what you can do. You can check out sdcampervans.com. And we have a few of our layouts on there. Um, There's two primary layouts, like the platform bed and the dinette. Um, But there are more layouts from there uh, that we don't do.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I'll link down. I'll I'll link uh, everything that we've mentioned uh, in the show notes for this episode. So if anybody's listening and wants to check out all of those, uh, head on over and check it out. But um, I want to talk a little bit about vans as well. So are there or can you name like three vans, for example, that are great vans for working out of them and living out of them?
0: Are you talking about manufactured RVs or just like the van? Um
1: No, like I know that like a lot of people have like the Mercedes Sprinter, for example, like what are some other like, you know, models uh, that people use a lot that you've seen and that are big enough to create a comfortable place to work inside of?
0: Okay, cool. Um, So there's the Ford Transit and we've now owned two of those. Those are our personal vans Um, and the Ram ProMaster and the Mercedes Sprinter. There's also the Nissan um, NV2500 or something like that. Um, I, we have yet to build one out of the Nissan because the, the shape of it is a little bit weird, but, um, the three primary vans are Ram Promaster, Ford Transit, and Mercedes Sprinter. Mercedes Sprinter is by far the most expensive. Ram Promaster is the least expensive. Transit's kind of in the middle. Um, but closer, it it's more comparable to the Ram ProMaster. Um, I would go and test them out, like go to the dealerships, test them out, uh, and see what's more comfortable for you. Cause the Transit for us is the most comfortable for long road trips, uh, and it's also the easiest to drive for us personally. So like it it is all a personal choice as far as which van to go with. Um, and you don't even need to go with the gigantic vans. Like you could go with a a ford um e e uh, what are they called like econoline um which are the Mm -hmm. shorter fords and you can't stand in them um i think a lot of people get held back because they're like i don't have a hundred thousand dollars to invest in a van but i know people who have started with two thousand dollars and they have a small van and exactly the minimum of what they need and they're off doing an awesome adventure so like don't let the Mm -hmm. idea of it has to be the most beautiful built out luxury sprinter van ever like just do it um and go from there
1: yeah i I, i'm really excited like i said to at one point do it i've been eyeing those the dodge ram the, the ones that you're talking about, the Promaster, I think they're called. And the the other thing is now, you know when you, like, see something and then you start seeing it everywhere? Like, I now that I know that I like that van, I see them everywhere. I think FedEx or, like, U.S. Mail uses them or something like that, which I think means that when they do like change them out, there's probably going to be a lot of cheap ones to buy because I know that usually like once like big businesses like that sell them out, they're a lot cheaper. So something to keep an eye out on uh, somebody who's interested in this. But you mentioned um, at the beginning of the interview that everybody kind of has their own tips and hacks on how to kind of like work inside the van, how to get internet. So what would you say, like, what what is your advice to somebody who is, you know, thinking about building out a van? Like, Are there some sort of services they can sign up for in order to have steady internet while they're on the road? Uh, What sort of resources would you recommend for that?
0: What we do is we have an unlimited plan with um, Verizon and it has hotspots. Um, So we have a hotspot with 15 gigs on each device. Um, Plus we have another hotspot with 15 gigs. So all of it is actually attached to our unlimited plan with Verizon. Um, and I know AT&T has the same thing, um, and that's what we have. So, like, we will work off of our cell phone hotspot, and then if that runs out, then we'll go to the iPad hotspot, and if that runs out, we'll go to the, like, little hotspot device that we have, um, and we have never run out of all of them. Um, there's always, there's always enough for us, and, and I do this type of video chat all the time, so... Um, it's pretty good there. Mm-hmm. Plus we have a WeBoost. Um, WeBoost is basically a cell booster. So if I have two bars of LTE, it might give me four bars of LTE.
1: Gotcha. So you wouldn't recommend, cause I know there's like some of those things that are like, is it called like WeRoam or no, it's like something like Wi-Fi room, like any of those, like, have you ever tried any of those, um, kind of, uh, gadgets i think so
0: skyroam i think is is one of them skyroam yep i have not Mm -hmm. tried it i haven't needed to um the setup that we have is just fine um and the skyroam i think that's more for like international travel um because we don't we don't travel internationally in our van um so we don't need something like that and and they tend to be quite expensive and you have to pay per day So, like, I think it's like 9 bucks a day or per 24-hour period to have it on. Um, And I have heard that they're quite slow. Um, So, Mm. yeah, the setup that I have is fine for me. My business partner um, has a a Wi-Fi setup in her van, um, and I don't know uh, exactly what that is, but you can check out – like our, our page is the, the van life app on Instagram and um, we have some information there and and stuff like that.
1: That's awesome. So my other question is how do you handle sort of like just to encompass everything? I'm going to say personal hygiene, right? Cause I know that I've seen vans that have bathrooms, but how do you do that? Like, how do you, you know, have bathroom showers? Is that something that's built into your van or do you like, I've heard that some people like, have gym memberships that they can, like, go around the country? Like, how do you do that, and how would you recommend others do that? Uh,
0: We have a toilet in our van. We have a composting toilet. Um, So that's, that's our bathroom. And then for showers and bathrooms, really, check out the Van Life app we have all that stuff listed um there's community centers there's like uh, uh, gym membership people have gym memberships community centers are great because it's like three to five bucks and you get in for the day and you can work out and um friends houses uh truck stops things like that i've never used a truck stop mostly community centers and like we have a solar shower um so when we're off in like a national park or, or a national forest or something like that, and we're not around people, we have an outdoor shower that we can use.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I've always been, I, so even though I don't have a van, I do quite a bit of uh, cross country driving or cross country, cross state driving, I should say. And whenever I'm in a gas station or a truck stop and I hear the like shower 24 is ready, I'm always like, what is that like? Like, what is it like to shower here? So I've always been curious <laughs> about that.
0: I don't know. I, I, I'd be afraid of foot fungus.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely bring flip flops. That's a, that's a good tip. Um, but Brianne, thank you so much for uh, being on the show. I'm, I'm really glad to have gotten to connect and to chat with you. Um, I'm sure people can hear I'm super pumped about this movement. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thank you again for stopping by. And um, if people want to connect with you online, obviously there's the Van Life app, but where else can they uh, find you?
0: Our personal Instagram is the ladies van. Um, and we're also sdcampervans.com, the vanlifeapp.com, uh, either one of those resources. We are m- like, our, all our social stuff is on Instagram, but we also have our website. So feel free to reach out to us anytime.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. Uh, Maybe see you out on the road someday. Definitely.